Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tim Hall, Vice President Products at Influx Data. And our topic is their new offering, InfluxDB Cloud 2.0. Tim, welcome to DevOps Chat. Hey, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Great to have you on the podcast. Would you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Influx Data, and maybe somebody who doesn't know what Influx Data does, give us a little bit about Influx. Sure. Um, so I'm the head of products here at Influx. I joined almost three years ago. Uh, I've got a background in uh, big data, open source technologies. I spent uh, some time at Hortonworks uh, running the product management team there. Uh, they're focused on the Hadoop space. Prior to that, I spent time in product management at Oracle and HP and mostly in the uh, monitoring and data integration spaces. So uh, Influx is a great opportunity to join a, a small company at the time. We've grown to almost 160 people now over the past three years. And um, it was sort of at the convergence of all the things I'd done in my career from uh, monitoring technologies to integration uh, to big data. And so it was uh, great, great to be invited by uh, Evan Kaplan, our CEO, and Paul Dix, our founder, uh, to join the team and see what I could do to help uh, build a great product. Fantastic. And tell us just briefly, Influx Data, what do you do? So Influx Data is focused on providing a platform for time series data, which is about anything with a timestamp. Time series can be broken into two categories, regular series, which are things that you sample. Think of it like uh, sticking a uh, coffee cup in the river and pouring it into a bucket and we're the bucket. Um, and you do that on a you know, frequent basis, every 30 seconds, every minute, every five minutes, but it's regular, it's a regular time interval. And irregular series is, are also supported by influx, which are things like events or logs, um, things that happen at any point in time. It could be somebody doing key card access to a building, putting their ATM card into a uh, ATM machine, uh, those sorts of things. Those are all, all events. And so we handle both of those two things, and we have lots of uh, folks using us both in the open source community, uh, on-prem or wherever they decide to play the software, and now our, our cloud offering as well. Um, across a wide range of use cases, everything from DevOps monitoring use cases and building and assembling platforms for observability uh, across to uh, IoT use cases, both for consumer and industrial products. Well, in a world where we just can't seem to generate enough data, sounds like you all are well positioned in the market. <laughs> There's more and more coming every every day, right? So, yes, not uh, what, getting less. Yeah, what do you do with it is really the question. And I think, again, we're focused on providing um, you know, a platform for developers. And our, our goal is really to drive developer happiness. And our, our motivation is um, trying to allow developers to solve problems quickly uh, from the time of install to problem being solved. We call that the time to awesome. We want that to be as short as possible. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not always the case with a lot of technologies out there. You're fiddling with dependencies and other things. And um, Influx comes out of the box with no dependencies install it, get it running very, very quickly, and uh, get going, get your problem solved. Well, I do really appreciate your focus on the developer community. Actually, we, uh, I just did a webinar a few weeks back with Tom Crow, your community manager, and he did an excellent job, by the way, of talking about how he works with developer community. So let's jump to InfluxDB Cloud 2.0. Is this your first SaaS online offering? Is that correct? It actually is a Mitch, um, but I'm glad you asked. So, you know, previously we've, we've had InfluxDB Cloud 1.0, which was really taking our enterprise edition and providing a managed service on top. And the challenge we've had with that is uh, we've seen good adoption, nice traction. We've had uh, a large number of customers purchase and buy it. But the challenge is that um, it was a little on the expensive side. And it's a, mm -hmm. 
we, it existed as a dedicated instance of our enterprise software that we ran and managed for them, but it was constrained on specific resources. And so you would buy a plan, pay for it, and then if you continue to grow and use it, um, then you would have to upgrade, typically by contacting support, and we could do that in a matter of seconds, but it really required a lot more high-level interactivity than maybe you might get from the vast majority of cloud services that you could think of, more consuming like utility. And so our focus with, with, with InfluxDB Cloud 2.0 uh, was to deliver the first completely serverless time series platform, to deliver that um, elasticity for our customers to just adopt and go. So truly a cloud service, not just a, an application in the cloud, if you will. That's right. That's right. And all the capabilities we're exposing in a multi-tenanted fashion, which means we're obviously test and validating across a large group of folks all at the same time. Um, and keeping that platform up and available for everybody is our, is our goal. I know you're doing more than just storage in the cloud. You have uh, visualization, UI, other capabilities. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. So, so you know, there's there's sort of three parts to the story, right? Part number one is um, you need to be able to feed the data in, um, and you need to be able to do that with velocity. Then we need to store and land that data, um, and we need to do that quickly and make it uh, available for um, query and access, and all the way through to visualization. And so. Uh, we have all those parts of the story together. Um, the most recent addition uh, also includes the ability to create uh, monitoring checks um, that allow you to create queries against the data that you've stored um, and decide if they, uh, let's say, exceed a certain, certain threshold or um, create a, a change of state in some way, shape, or form. And then from there, you can create a notification that can be sent to you through a variety of channels, including uh, HTTP post, um, Slack, which is available in, the, in our free tier, and then obviously PagerDuty, which is a super popular uh, mechanism for alerting your, your DevOps teams. Mm -hmm. And I think in addition to kind of integration level type functionality, you've also updated the API to uh, InfluxDB in the cloud, correct? That's right. Um, actually, one of the goals is, um, you know, through the 1.0 line of the tick stack, T, I, C, and K, which um, many DevOps people might be familiar with, there were four parts, Telegraph, Influx data, uh, the, the database itself, um, Chronograph, which is our visualization tool, and Capacitor, which was our anomaly detection. And we've really taken the I, C, and K portions of that stack and integrated them all together in our InfluxDB 2.0 offering. This is both open source as well as cloud. And what we wanted to do is bring together the, uh, the, the language, first and foremost, that you use to interact with data, both from a query and a task perspective. And we've done that through uh, a new language you've introduced called Flux. Uh, not surprising, the name of the company is Influx. Mm -hmm. uh, so Flux is the new language we've introduced. Um, and then we've obviously kept Telegraph, which is our uh, data collection agent that can be distributed and used to send data in. Now, one of the other things about T, I, C, and K is each one of those elements had its own API. And so if you worked with one, it didn't necessarily translate to the other. So we've unified and have created a common API uh, as part of InfluxDB 2.0 that allows you to do everything from drive the creation of dashboard cells and dashboards themselves all the way through to submitting queries, uh, checks, uh, notification rules, et cetera, all behind a common API. And that API is consistent across the open source uh, and the cloud editions. That allows, oops, sorry, that allows, yeah, sorry, that allows developers to essentially write an application either against the cloud or against open source. And if they need to swap it around for any reason, 
For example, if your journey starts with the open source and you're like, okay, now I need the scale and elasticity offered by InfluxDB Cloud 2.0, they don't have to make any changes to their application code. They can just change the endpoint and point at our cloud. Very interesting. You know, we're, we're building applications that are API-centric much more today versus let's expose the application through an API. Did that change how you redesigned the API, the way you've integrated all these components and is uh, just kind of InfluxDB in the cloud more or less use its own APIs as it, as it works together across these functions? It does. Um, we're actually consumers of our own APIs. Um, and that, frankly, that's been our philosophy for a while. Um, the challenge had been previously that it was fragmented across the four components of the tick stack. And we've really tried to unify that and think about, again, delighting developers and giving a consistent API experience across them all. One of the things you mentioned too about, uh, and thanks for that information about the tick stack. I've got another question, question about that in a moment. But back to uh, your 1.0 offering versus 2.0, have you changed kind of the pricing model, done anything to make that more accessible to either developers or enterprises? Yeah, completely. Um, in uh, InfluxDB Cloud 2.0, it's a completely usage-based pricing model. Uh, we're also starting uh, developers off with a free tier. Um, and so that free tier is rate limited, but you have access to um, most of the features and capabilities. We've obviously held off uh, some of those things behind the paywall, uh, but generally speaking, it's now all pay as you go. And we've got that pricing model published and up on the website, as well as in the documentation that describes exactly uh, how much you pay for reads, writes, uh, storage, and so on. And you only use, you only pay for what you use. And that's, uh, that's really the goal of providing that serverless offering um, People want to use it as a utility and, you know, compare and contrast with what we did with a managed service in, in the 1.0 line, um, you know, they were paying for things they weren't using, right? It was a fixed price offering. And uh, so, you know, that's why it looked a little more expensive. So I think it, now we're, uh, I think, a price uh, price optimized for, uh, for developers to grow um, as they're successful. And one of the things that's probably in any developer's mind listening to this uh, podcast is thinking about developers definitely don't like crippleware. So your focus around uh, data retention limitations, rate, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that from your developer community about how to properly construct a, a free tier offering that, that's still very usable to them. Yep, yep. Um, I think we've got a pretty good mindset around that. Um, on the data retention side, we're currently allowing the storage of data for at least three days at 72 hours. Um, that uh, can be a lot of data in the world of the time series. Um, and uh, the ingest rates are also, uh, I would say, fairly reasonably exposed. Um, just to give you a, an insight, um, I actually am using the free tier myself. Uh, I haven't, uh, you know, arm wrestled my product manager to give me access to all the features and capabilities, although mm -hmm. I, suppose that's, I suppose that's possible, but I wanted to see what I could do. And so one of the things I happened to do with my son um, recently is we built a, a, a gaming PC for him. And, uh, you know, one of the most expensive components, there's two of the two most expensive components in the machine are the, are the, uh, the graphics card and the CPU. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would and, have said the same thing. <laughs> do, yeah. do the same project with my sons, but yes. That's right. And so, and so one of the challenges, of course, is that I uh, wanted to make sure that we installed the CPU correctly and I was worried about it overheating. And so we've got a nice big, uh, you know, heat sink on there, but I enabled the, uh, what's called the sensors plugin within Telegraph to basically give me access to the CPU uh, temperature data. And I'm taking that and I'm actually sending it to Influx Cloud. And then what I'm doing is I've created a, a check to check on that temperature and I've created warning and critical uh, 
uh, threshold levels. Uh, and then I send the uh, notifications to, to myself in Slack. And so generally speaking, it's, uh, it's worked quite well, Mitch. Um, but uh, there's been an interesting um, side use case and benefit that I found, which is uh, <laughs> my son comes home and decides not to do his homework. <laughs> yep, I was just wondering. <laughs> and so now I have a very uniquely tuned um, child monitoring service that allows mm -hmm. me to uh, recognize when he is gaming, when he should be doing his homework. And he still hasn't figured out how I'm doing it, so I'm definitely not sending him this podcast. Uh, you're too sneaky, Dad. <laughs> Parental controls, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> too funny. Well, I'd, I'd like to touch back on the tick stack because I know you've been, you know, very active with providing open source software through the Telegraph and FlexDB chronograph uh, capacitor. What's the plan then? You said you've kind of done a lot to the open source or to the code, and built that into this cloud offering. What's the plan with the open source going forward? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I mean, one of the core uh, values of our company is that we are strong believers in open source. And as part of that, we've been working on the 2.0 uh, offering for more than a year. Um, and it's gone through a series of alpha additions. And I think we're currently up to alpha 18, which matches the features and capabilities that we have available as a GA instance for InfluxDB Cloud 2.0. And we may have some community members out there scratching their heads saying, um, so what gives? How come this hasn't gone GA? And I want to be really, really clear because we have such a large uh, community that we value uh, their feedback, but I also value not giving them something that's broken um, and, not, and something that's not ready for prime time. And so we've been very careful about um, labeling the 2.0 uh, code line in our GitHub repository as alpha code um, as we work to complete the features and capabilities that we want to have uh, within uh, the 2.0 line. And so the key things that are coming up for us next, um, there's sort of three, three things. Number one is um, we're moving towards uh, sort of the feature completeness for Flux, our new language. Um, we're learning a lot of things about running Flux within the cloud environment and getting feedback from community members on that. And there's probably a handful of things that we'd like to finish there before we're gonna call that, that sort of release one of, of Flux. Second is we really need to create um, migration tooling. And there's two things that we're doing in that regard. Obviously, folks that want to land and store their data for longer periods of time will want to move their, uh, their data from InfluxDB1 to InfluxDB2. And uh, we've created um, sort of a new model uh, inside of uh, InfluxDB2, which includes the notion of um, uh, a bucket, which is where you place your data um, and how to secure that bucket. Um, and so there are some uh, migration tools that are required to, to bulk move that data across. And then last is, I mentioned, we've, we've introduced a new primary uh, language for working with data inside of InfluxDB2. And it's, it unifies the ability to both query that data for dashboard creation uh, and report generation and these other use cases that people might you know, build on top, but it also is the same language that's used for tasks and uh, sort of creating batch operations. Um, and that was certainly not the case between uh, you know, InfluxDB and Capacitor, let's say. Capacitor used something called TickScript, and uh, Influx was using InfluxQL. And InfluxQL is a SQL-like language, and it was an easy on-ramp for gaining access to uh, the data within uh, InfluxDB. And we're certainly not abandoning that, but what we're doing is we're going to create a, uh, the ability for you to use InfluxQL, but behind the scenes and on the fly, we will transpile that into something that's executable by the Flux engine. 
and then return the result sets to the, to the customer. And this should allow for uh, existing dashboards and queries just to work natively and seamlessly with InfluxDB 2.0 and obviously InfluxDB uh, Cloud 2.0 when we offer it there. Um, and when we reach that point, then we will declare beta which means we'll have feature completeness, which include those migration tools. And then that's the time for the community really to start piling in and, uh, and trying it out. And then we'll be focusing more on performance and sort of uh, user experience changes between uh, the beta declaration and when we declare 2.0 GA. But in the meantime, we'll continue to add you know, features to the cloud edition. They will show up in the open source through our uh, alpha cadence. Uh, but I would say that those three big things, you know, the migration tooling, uh, InfluxQL support, uh, and just completing Flux as a generally available language in version one is is where we're focused. Okay, very good. Well, certainly well thought out strategy and you've done a lot of work uh, that we'd look forward to seeing in the open source path as well. You mentioned buckets, uh, reminding me to ask, what, what types of clouds are you offering the cloud 2.0 service in? Yeah, great question, Mitch. Um, so currently we're available in AWS uh, and there's two regions we're available in. Uh, US West 2, which is up in Oregon, uh, and we just uh, started the beta process for Europe, uh, which is available in Frankfurt, um, and that will, uh, it's currently using the same code, but we just haven't turned on the ability for folks in Europe to, to pay us yet, um, but we're, we'll run that beta probably for four to six weeks in Europe before uh, announcing GA there. Uh, in addition, we announced at Google Next earlier this year that we would be available on GCP, uh, and so our intent is to continue to, to drive forward. Uh, most likely that will appear in the U.S. East region um, just to sort of fill out a geographic strategy. But we're very excited about working with the team at Google. Uh, some of my former colleagues from Oracle are now there, which is uh, fun to reconnect with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll see that land hopefully by year end. And then, um, and then we've been uh, spending time with Azure on the Microsoft team. And so uh, I would look for that in Europe in Q1. Okay, very good. I'm really tying back to your very beginning when you told us about your background. I'm really interested in what, it, what do you see the differences in, in uh, the approach with Influx Data takes with developer community being such a focus for the company versus a more traditional database company like you worked at, at Oracle. Not that they don't have developer products, they do. But clearly this is uh, center of the universe for you. What, what are some of the things that you've learned or maybe differences in the approach you're taking now? I'd say it's uh, it's a mix, Mitch. Like there were definitely some things in the Oracle landscape that were powerful uh, and can apply to the open source community. So, for example, uh, feature flag items. So, don't ship a new version of the database with all your latest and greatest and coolest features turned on by default. That really prevents people from moving rapidly from uh, you know from older editions to newer editions. So we try to keep those things turned off and provide highlights to folks in release notes about how to activate them and turn them on. And it is a double-edged sword because people who are new that come in, you'd like them to use the latest and greatest and best technology. We do try to highlight that, um, but we also want people to move and and um, you know eliminate that sort of long tail of support uh, as, as quickly as possible. So the, a very smooth process, and uh, this sort of came from Oracle, is yeah, feature flag those new things, definitely highlight it so they can take advantage, but let the, let the developers, they're smart. They'll take advantage of those new features if you just tell them uh, where they live and how to turn them on. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, on the community side, you know, listen to the community feedback. And I would say that's one thing that's um, been top of mind, but if not totally obvious is, you know, the motivation behind introducing Flux as a new query language was not done 
lightly, but it really is in, in um, response to all of the outstanding query related um, questions that we were and issues that were opened by our community members. They could not move certain workloads. They couldn't do certain kinds of functions. They needed more flexibility with the language. And so Flux is the genesis of listening to all that feedback. You know, unfortunately, some of those issues have, have uh, definitely stood out in the community for, you know, now going on two or three years in some cases. And I finally feel like we're at the point where we can deliver on those requests from our community members. Oh, very good. I feel like we've covered a lot, a lot of ground on our podcast today, giving our listeners a great feel for what's unique and new and also how to get started with, uh, with Cloud 2.0 InfluxDB. Uh, imagine on your website, there's a pretty easy place to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's the uh, primary call to action on the website today. If you go to InfluxData.com, um, it'll pop up and say, get started with Cloud 2 immediately. Also, you can get the uh, open source by going to our downloads page, or you can find us on GitHub. Excellent. Well, Tom, uh, Tim, <laughs> I knew I would do that. Tim, thank you for, uh, for being on the podcast today. You're welcome, Mitch. Okay, I owe you one. <laughs> I'd like to thank my guest, Tim Hall, Vice President Products at Influx Data for joining us today. And of course, thank you, our listeners, for joining us as well. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com. You've listened to another DevOps Chat podcast. Be careful out there.